Let's take a moment before we get started. Let's just, let's just pray. God, we just thank you that we can come into your house and that we can worship you, we can seek you, uh, we can hear from you, we can have confidence in you, and we can come to know you more. And so, Lord, that's really what we're here to do is to pursue you, to look into you, what you want, what you think, what you do, that we could ultimately align ourselves with that, join you in your work, allow you to work in us. And so we pray that would be the case today, that you would just speak to us from your word as we look at an important topic in our Christian walk today. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. You know, God has a way of, of bringing things together, um, really at the right time for his purposes and reasons. You know, over the past several months, you know, I knew I was going to be teaching today, but I had no idea what to talk about. You know, I kind of just go wherever the Spirit leads the week of. It's like, you know what, this is the thing, this is what we're going to talk about. I don't usually plan stuff too far out. But over the last several months, I've been thinking about this one topic and how important it is that we understand it. And it's this idea of freedom. Wasn't thinking about the 4th of July, just the idea of freedom. And so here today, Dennis is absent and in Alaska, and he gives me the opportunity to share with you in the exact week that we get to celebrate our freedom. So I thought, you know, maybe this is God's orchestrating of what to talk about. And so I've been asking this simple question kind of over the last few months, and it's an important one. What does it really mean to be free? If you think about it, we get to freely exercise our freedom every day, specifically in this country. In fact, you exercised it this morning when you decided freely to come to church. Now, the kids are probably going, I wasn't here by choice. Mom and dad made me come. But for those of you who came and can drive, hopefully you came freely. But no one forced you to be here. No one made you come. You chose to come. See, the use of your freedom to do something, hopefully, that we can do this morning, the most important thing, which is to pursue God. That's what freedom is about. Now, freedom has been on my mind a bit over the last few months. Maybe it's because God was preparing for today. Maybe it's because when I look around at our country, our world, it sure seems like freedom is under attack. Maybe it's a combination of both. But regardless, this morning with you, I want to just take a little bit of a deeper look at freedom, not just from the American perspective, but rather from the biblical perspective, from God's perspective. Maybe freedom is a little bit different than we've always thought it was. So as we start, we're going to actually go back to the second chapter of your Bible. You're going to find the beginning of freedom in humanity. God had just created man, and now is placing him in the midst of this Garden of Eden he created, so we find this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall surely die. And when God created man, he gave him something amazing. Freedom. God was not satisfied in creating robots. He created free agents who, as we see here, were given abilities to decide. Now, he created humans with minds so that we could evaluate, we could contemplate, we could consider, we could discern, we could conclude, and ultimately decide before we take certain actions. And knowing that we are these free agents, God did what any good creator would do. 
He gave us direction. Now, some might call these things rules, right? Things we could use to help guide our decision-making and our contemplations so that we end in the right conclusions. That's the point. And in this case, God gave man his freedom along with some basic instructions. And then he turned him loose into the garden filled with everything he had made. However, in the midst of the garden was one tree. This may be the most talked about tree in all of human history, if not all of humanity. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of the most commonly asked questions by by skeptics and Christians alike is tied to this tree. The question goes like this, and maybe you've asked it before. If God knew Adam and Eve would eat of the tree, why did he put the tree in the garden to begin with? Have you ever thought about that question? Have you ever come to an answer that satisfies you? Maybe not. You know, there are scholars and theologians, thinkers all over who are still debating and discussing this question. But I would submit to you today that it has to do with one thing. It has to do with freedom. So let me explain just a little bit. You see, freedom doesn't just stand on its own. It actually has a foundation. It has a base to which it must be placed in order to be pure and true. So here's the first thing I want you to remember today. True freedom only comes from love. 1 John 4.8 tells us that God is love. Not just that God loves, but that He is love. Love is not just what God says it is, but rather who God is. It's His character. It's His being. Everything He does is out of love, including giving human beings freedom. You see, the fact that there is a tree in this garden that man isn't to eat of is interesting and that it relays to us by its very existence in the garden the inseparable nature of love and freedom the love of God and the freedom he gives us. The freedom that day was given to Adam and Eve to decide what they would do with that tree, knowing what God had asked of them. You see, that's what love does. It hands you freedom and then asks that you use it for good. Love, freedom, good, they all go hand in hand. And this is extremely important. Because when they start to be ripped from each other, none can independently survive. That's why you start to see tyranny, oppression, slavery, death, destruction, despair, chaos. Because freedom is only true freedom when it's rooted in true love. One of our founding fathers, Patrick Henry, once said, it's when people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. And another William Penn who said, Those people who will not be ruled by God will be ruled by tyrants. See, our God is a loving one, a good father who desires his children to listen to his voice because he knows that that's the only way to truly experience this freedom he intended. Remember, it is from a God of love that freedom came. But freedom kind of has this one Achilles heel. The fatal part of freedom is actually not found in freedom at all but rather in those whom it is given. As you know the story, Adam and Eve took their freedom and through the guidance of Satan made their own determinations against the knowledge and direction of God. And in doing so, they thought they were going to gain more freedom. 
but instead entered slavery. A slavery they themselves would never be able to exit on their own. Now do you realize that they thought they were going to be more like God, more free? They thought they needed more freedom, more than they had, and in doing so they actually gave their freedom away to become slaves to sin? Now for the next several thousand years, man has been dealing with this problem. We are born slaves to sin. The fatal flaw and Achilles' heel to real freedom has existed within each one of us from the moment we were born. See, the deception of Satan has become so strong that many don't even recognize that they're enslaved anymore. The definition of freedom has been taken from its rightful place in the character of God and instead changed to mean things that are anything but free. Satan has perpetrated a serious misconception when it comes to freedom that we need to be aware of today. It's critical to getting back to true freedom. And it's this. Second thing I want you to remember today. Real freedom isn't about doing anything you want. Many, if not all of us, have placed something in front of freedom. It's this word, total. We think total freedom is when we can actually do anything we want, whenever we want, however we want, any time we want. That's our definition of freedom. And maybe it's right from a worldly perspective, but instead of pursuing what we think is total freedom, maybe we should look at another word in front of freedom, the word true, true freedom. Now the definition of true freedom according to God's dictionary is going to be a little bit confusing, but it goes so much against what we think freedom is today. So let me explain a little bit. Our definition of freedom revolves around one thing, us. God's definition of freedom revolves around something else, Him. Is it possible that real freedom actually means becoming a servant? And not just a servant to anyone, but to God Himself? This is probably a shock to our culture today, as much as it was during Jesus' day. See, we see this in John chapter 8, and it's amazing how much it reflects what's going on today. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Jews listening to Jesus were taken back by this statement. Because look at their response in verse 33. It says, They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? These Jews were completely dumbfounded at the idea that they were actually in bondage. They were chosen people of Israel. They were in their homeland. They were worshiping at their temple. They understood freedom to be something a little bit different than Jesus. And much of the time, we do the same thing. So look at Jesus' response. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So these Jews were a little mixed up, kind of like many of us are today. We think freedom is external, but it's not. It's internal. It's spiritual first and foremost. I've listened to people around me say that they'll finally experience true freedom with that new promotion at work, that job they've always been after, 
if they can just get a little bit more of and you fill in the blank. Something freedom is health, wealth, and prosperity. That's why that false gospel is so prevalent today. Because people think that's where freedom is found. Makes us feel good for a moment. But that's not true freedom. Paul actually highlights this and he speaks to the church in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 7.20, Each one of you should remain in the situation he was in when he was called. Were you a slave when you were called? Do not let it concern you. But if you can gain your freedom, take the opportunity. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freed man. Conversely, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You realize that both of these individuals are free? The slave is free because Christ has freed him from the power of sin and death. He is free from the power of sin over his life. He is free to follow the example of Christ, to exhibit Christ's persona to those that he comes in contact with, even as an actual slave. The free man is free too, not because of his worldly or social position, but rather because now in fact he is a servant of Christ. Paul makes it clear that true freedom doesn't come with worldly position. It comes to the spirit of the one whose faith is in God's saving grace. See, the irony with true freedom is that it's actually not about doing whatever you want. It's about devoting your life to another, someone greater than yourself, that person being God and his word and his mission and his plan. Real freedom, true freedom is only found by the individual who finds and pursues God. Period. You should just pray right there, right? So today, American soldiers are fighting for freedom on every front. They're deployed to the darkest places on this planet for the same reason our founding fathers and those brave men and women from old fought the Revolutionary War. For the first piece of freedom, the right to choose. Men, women, and children all across this world are enslaved to leaders and tyrants with evil intentions. These leaders enslave, they force, they kill those who don't comply. A woman who once escaped North Korea was interviewed about what it was like when she got out. She described realizing everything they had been told was a lie. The world wasn't what the evil dictators had told them it had been. Tricked them into believing. The American soldier is one, if not the only entity on this planet that is willing to lay down his life simply to give us the right to choose. So I knew I was going to get choked up because that's just what happens when you talk about this. I even put the Kleenex in my pocket. That's how I have to prepare for sermons these days. So if you have served in the military or are serving or you've done Coast Guard or police department, fire department, I want you to just stand up for a second or you're going into the military, Kendra. These people have sacrificed for our freedom. Thank you. Okay, you can sit down. What's interesting in America is that something else is going on, though. There's actually a rewriting of the definition of freedom. See, the fight for freedom abroad has really come back to home where true freedom is attacked a little bit differently. And we need to be on guard. It's not with guns and soldiers. 
Freedom is attacked with bad ideas and immoral thoughts and intentions. Those things that God gave us as instructions and directions in order to be truly free have now become restrictive and oppressive. Do you realize that? You see the world around us today. The Christian has become the voice of hate, bigotry. The idea of freedom has changed in the minds of some within this country. Freedom is now about the right to love whomever I want, whatever way I want. It's the right to kill the unborn whenever it's inconvenient. You know, the prophet Isaiah foresaw this when he wrote in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, Satan's got a new game now. He took our freedom at the fall, but Jesus gave it back. Now, he wants to rewrite the definition to get us back into bondage and control, all under the guise that we're pursuing freedom. So let me say this again. True freedom is not about doing whatever you want. In Romans 1.1, Paul calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I think it would be fair to say that Paul understood what it was to be free. He who had been the sinner of sinners, as he would call himself, was, not, was now free from the power of sin. Yet he refers himself as a bondservant. Do you realize a bondservant is a title given to those who have given up ownership of themselves? A bondservant is one who is considered to be in a permanent role of service. How is it that one identifying as a bondservant is free? And I'll tell you how. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Third thing I want you to remember this morning, and the final thing. Real freedom is not free. You've probably heard that before. So I want you to recap with me just a moment. We know true freedom comes from the very person of God. It was offered to us in the garden, given freely, and we misused it. So God in His great love provided a way for us to be free again. Driven by love, He stepped down from heaven, He took on flesh, and then after living this perfect life, freely, freely, stepped onto the cross in our place. In service to us for our redemption and His glory, Jesus freely died for us. Jesus, as an act of His own will, paid the price for our freedom. Not for freedom in this life, but rather for eternal freedom. Not for temporary freedom, but for ultimate freedom. Romans 6 says this, For if we have been united with Him in death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. If you put your faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that the power of sin and death is broken. You are no longer a slave. You are free. Free from the very thing you needed to be free from. Free from the consequences of our sin, which is death. Free from the fear of death, because you have eternal life waiting for you. Romans 6.23, you know this one, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, what does it mean 
to be truly free. The more I've studied this and read through the various scriptures, I've come to believe that freedom is more than just doing what I want. It's more than having the ability to buy what we want. True freedom is really found in service and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where freedom comes. Remember what Jesus said? So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom is more than having it the way we want. It's about knowing who controls tomorrow and eternity for us. Freedom comes from not being enslaved to sin any longer. Paul says this to the church in Galatia, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. So this week is a special week because we celebrate freedom as a country, a nation, individuals, and I would encourage you to take time to thank those who have sacrificed for your freedom. American soldiers fight for freedom all over this planet. They serve those whom they may never meet, all with the intention of preserving a God-given right that man should be free. They paid for this with time, sweat, tears, and with their own blood. So let me just remind you again, freedom is very costly. Your freedom and mine paid for by the very blood of God himself. So today, as free people, you have a very special opportunity. Jesus has handed you back your freedom, asked you to follow him. He promises true freedom as his servants. So what are you going to do with your freedom? Christ has offered to you, paid for it in full by his own blood. Are you willing to take it? So let's pray. God, we are... for your freedom you've given to us to share in your work, Lord. I just pray for each one that's here today that we would just devote our lives to you, that we would find freedom in service to you. And maybe there's some here, Lord, that have not come to know you, have not put their faith in you. I pray, Lord, that they would do that today and they would experience the beginning of freedom, true freedom, found in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for our opportunities. We thank you for the country we live in. We pray for it. She would preserve freedom for all. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.